3: the late lunch with
2: blackstone motors Drada, dundogan cabin check out the new sporty and spacious renault arcana in petrol and full hybrid guaranteed delivery low ap or finance and 48 hour test drive visit blackstonemotors.ie
4: you're very welcome to Thursday afternoons late lunch on lmfm radio we're talking crime crime prevention for the uh, first half hour of the show this afternoon. Because, you see, I've become well aware that burglaries and break-ins to homes are on the increase in this neck of the woods. And I was the victim of a couple of break-ins myself uh, in recent years, uh, pre-pandemic, I have to say. And I can tell you it is the most unnerving, uneasing thing Uh, to happen to anybody I was lucky they didn't make my house but they certainly helped themselves uh, to uh, what I had in my garage etc but people have uh, come home to find their homes destroyed their valuables stolen and I think it's the whole feeling around your uh, privacy being invaded and it's a shocking, shocking feeling. It, it really, really is. So we're going to talk about it for the next while in the hope that you'll pick up something from what we're talking about. So we begin today uh, with the newly appointed Crime Prevention Officer for County Loud, Sergeant John Heavey. And just before coming on air, John dropped in here to LMFM and I spoke to him. And he began by confirming that burglaries and break-ins are on the rise.
5: Yes, Jerry, unfortunately for this year to date, nationally, there has been an increase in reported borderlies uh, in comparison with the same period last year. Now, uh, we have to remember, of course, that to take these statistics in the context of the pandemic uh, the last year where we had a very different set of circumstances in comparison to today. Uh, I do think it's fair to say that during the last two years that many of us uh, have perhaps dropped our focus somewhat uh, when it comes to various aspects of crime prevention. And with this in mind, I'm here today and hope to offer your listeners some basic crime prevention advice.
4: So the pandemic, a lot of us working from home as well, John. So the, the house is, you know, when you're there, it's it's certainly very much more secure. Circumstances are changing now.
5: Circumstances are changing and people are slowly returning to the offices. And, and uh, we are finding more homes uh, vacant thr- throughout the day.
4: Now, let's talk about the home for a start and security in the home. You said that, you know, we've been at home for a few years. We haven't had to worry about this. What had, advice have you on
5: home security? Yes, Jerry, Um I suppose in relation to home security, I'm very conscious that many people are uh, under financial pressure at the moment. And uh, I suppose the first advice that we give, if, if you can afford to fit a house alarm, do so. Um, if you have an alarm fitted, please use it. Uh, you would be amazed at the amount of times that I have been told, yes, I do have an alarm, but we don't actually use it just in case it goes off in the middle of the night. Uh, I, I would actually recommend that putting on your alarm, it it will go hand in hand with locking your door. And even if you're only leaving the house to run to the shop for five minutes, uh, get in the habit of switching on your alarm. Um, I suppose in addition to an alarm, it's very important also to have good quality locks uh, fitted to your doors and windows. Um, Of late, it is evident to us that cash and jewellery are a main focus in in many burglaries that we have attended. And with this in mind, we would say, please don't keep large amounts of cash at home. And when it comes to your jewellery, photograph it and keep a record of all jewellery in your home. Um, I would also advise that people will give cr- strong consideration to installing uh, an appropriate small uh, safe in your home for stolen, storing your valuables in. Um, it, it is important, though, when you are installing the safe, that it's a, it is properly fitted and secured both uh, to a concrete floor or need a, a masonry wall.
4: Very good advice there, and things that you know you need to focus on to make it more difficult for anybody who attempts to get it, get into your home. What about you know sheds and garages? Because John, I, I've been the subject of a couple of burglaries myself, where I store things aside from the house. What about those areas? Those are important too because we have a lot of valuables there.
5: Yes, indeed, uh, very important. And, and as an avid gardener yourself, Jerry, you will know the importance of keeping your uh, equipment safe. Um, We would say when sheds and garages are not in use, keep them closed and locked. Um, For windows in your sheds, consider fitting grills or a strong mesh on the inside of the the window and perhaps even hanging a net curtain on the inside to prevent somebody from looking in and seeing your contents inside. Uh, In relation to the doors, we'd recommend using a mortise lock um, or a good quality padlock. And if you are using a, a padlock, to uh, ensure that the the hasp and staple mechanisms are fitted correctly, that they, they're bolted through the door, and you use anti tamper screws or bolts. That uh, when doing so, um, I would also plead to people, don't assist the burglars and make it easy for them by leaving your your tools or ladders lying around unsecurely. Ultimately, the burglar will use uh, your your equipment to break into your home. Uh, we would also recommend the installation of exterior sensor lighting, um, and indeed if you had an alarm fitted to your house to consider the feasibility of having your shed or garage connected to it. And if uh, there's also advice there to to contact licensed engineers, they can be contacted. Their details are on www.psa.gov.ie. Um, I suppose in relation to the contents um, of, of the sheds and that, I would say take a few minutes out to photograph the property. Um, everyone has a phone these days. Uh, take pictures of serial numbers and any identifiable uh, features. And marking your air code on the property, it is recommended, and it can also assist Gardaí in returning recovered property to its rightful owner. Um, I'm also glad to say that here in County Louth, we are currently endeavouring to expand a a property marking initiative um, throughout the county, and I would encourage people to engage and avail of this service when it does come to your area.
4: I wish I'd talked to you before those break-ins because on one occasion I did leave the the door open, John. You know, I'd never had any issue before and, of course, they walked in. And secondly, my garage is now part of my alarm system and uh, thanks for mentioning that again. Very, very important indeed. I've learned my lesson the hard way, I have to say, folks. Now, summer holidays, people are heading off again. John, you know, as well, the pandemic, people stayed at home mostly. Uh, Holidays are on the agenda again and holidays abroad. What's your advice?
5: Yes, Sherry, Thankfully, that uh, we're again permitted to travel, and, and we, we, we all want to to go away and enjoy that long overdue break. But in doing so, when we want to return home, and everything is intact and as you left it. So uh, again, if if your house is going to be vacant, again, if you have an alarm, please ensure it is set. You know, check all doors and windows are securely locked before leaving. Um, if possible, ask a trusted neighbour or a family member to conduct frequent. Checks on your property and um, you can return the favor when, when they go on their holidays um, again uh, avoid a buildup of post in your house use internal uh, timers on on the lights and indeed motion sensors are recommended for external lights um, take time out to contact your local guard station and inform them of the period that your home is going to be vacant and so the Guardy can pay passing attention while on patrol
4: and John the uh, big thing today social media people live their lives on it john it ain't a good idea to let people know on social media that you're away is it
5: It certainly is not jerry and and unfortunately uh, people continue to do this you know uh, we, we recommend that when you are going on holidays don't announce your upcoming plans online and don't post updates about your holidays. And when you're away on holiday, don't post pictures. Wait until you come home. If you must post them online, just wait until you come home because when you're posting this information online, you're advertising that your home is vacant and it's it's vulnerable to be bordled. And also another, just to remember, if you're away uh, on holidays with other people, just to respect their privacy as well. You know, don't tag them on on, on uh, photographs while you're all away on holidays. And indeed, I would say to consider turning off your location sharing setting on your phone as well.
4: Because these guys are watching, John. They are indeed, Jerry, And that's the message folks today. They are watching. This is where they operate. They have lots of time and they do the research as well. Uh, Please don't. Post, as John says there, when you come back. Now, Home insurance, everybody should have it covering your building and your contents as well. But you want to uh, mention something specifically uh, about the insurance policy.
5: I do, Jerry, And just uh, to your listeners to remember that if you have gone to the trouble of, of uh, having any extra crime prevention measures in place, ensure that you notify your home your house insurance company, you may qualify for a discount.
4: And, and that is a, a very important point to make. Let them know what you have in place because it's all to your benefit, that is for sure. You, you're new into the job and this is a very important role that you have. You know, for, for people listening, to, there are people listening to us, John, who have suffered uh, the crime of house break-ins, burglaries, and people are
5: really traumatised, John. What do you say to somebody, you know, who's in that predicament today? Terry, uh, you're correct in what you're saying and it is very traumatic when people become uh, victims of crime. Um, look, as the, the country continues to return to normality, uh, I'm happy to say that here in in Chiaquaná and County Louth, and under the direction of Chief Superintendent Alan McGovern, that we are continuing to re-engage and, and meet with communities again in ways which COVID prevented and we are now having a particular focus on crime prevention. Now, with this in mind, I hope that following uh, your show here today, if any of your listeners would like to avail of any further crime prevention advice or perhaps indeed have a a crime prevention survey carried out at their home, or if any groups are listening and they would like to avail of a crime prevention presentation, please feel free to contact me directly. And my own direct line is 041-686-2385. That's 041-686-2385. The service is free and I'm inviting people to avail of it. Uh, in the hope that they can avoid becoming uh, a victim of crime. And I would also just like to say, jury, that all advice featured here this afternoon Uh, and indeed more is also available online at www.gartha.ie forward slash crime prevention John, tremendous. Thank
4: you so much for joining us on Late Lunch this afternoon and thank you for that uh, wonderful offer to our listeners today to contact you if they're concerned in any way or they've been victims as well because there is support there that's the message we want to get out today.
5: Again, thank you very much Sherry, and we we do appreciate you giving us this time here on your show today.
4: Yes, Sergeant John Heavey there the newly appointed crime prevention officer for County Loudwood's some Sound advice there around security and your home. And again, his number, if you'd like to contact him, is 041-686-2385. That's 041-686-2385. And we have that number off our main number here, 041-983-2000. Now, we're continuing on the security theme in a few moments after the break because Mark Woods, he's a home security expert, is joining us to talk about the nuts and bolts of protecting your your home. We're talking home security on late lunch this afternoon. And if you're affected by anything we're talking about or have a question for my next guest, who is a home security expert, do get in touch with us. If you've been traumatised by a burglary and uh, want to let us know, uh, please do get in touch with us today. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. Come right to us here in studio or 041983 if you'd like to call in. He's been with us uh, on a number of occasions down the years on late lunch and I'm delighted to welcome him back today. He's a business and home security expert. He's the MD of Create Security. Mark Woods, hello again. Uh, Jerry. how are you? How's it going? I'm really good. Thanks for taking our call today, Mark. Mark, you and I were talking early this morning and something you said to me, I want to start from uh, this point of view. You said to me, and, and, and my ears pricked up when you said this to me, you said that burglars and these guys who are causing bedlam out there Know as much about alarms and security as ye, the experts in the business.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would, I would agree with that because uh, they know when somebody has an alarm that works, that doesn't work, that how old the alarm is. It's very important how old the alarm is with the way technology has changed now. In recent years, uh, there's so many things you can do with your alarm on your phone. You can work it from your phone as if you were standing at a keypad. And a lot of people have older alarms that even aren't made anymore. Mm. And the burglars know that these alarms are not made anymore, not manufactured. They can't be serviced. So I would say it's very important to service your alarm or certainly have a review of your current alarm system, even if you have one.
4: How useful is an alarm that's not connected to you or to a monitoring station or something like that, a standalone alarm? Is it of any use?
6: Well, I always use the analogy, it's like a noisy box on the wall that annoys your neighbours. Unfortunately, in housing estates all across the country, you have alarms going off every single day. And uh, people get annoyed by the noise, but you don't see anybody really going to check it out. Mm. So with alarms now, we monitor the alarm and there's several different ways to monitor your alarm at different price points. Uh, where you can self-monitor your own alarm via your phone. So technology allows you to get a notification when your alarm is activated.
4: So are you uh, saying today that that is the best way... To secure your home, to have your alarm linked to an app on your phone that you're in control, rather than you know uh, when this came in, this was an innovation as well that you had a central monitoring by people sitting in a in an office or a building somewhere, you know, keeping an eye on all this. Are you much more in favour of the say the app one?
6: Well, from a price point of view, it depends on uh, John had mentioned earlier on about uh, finance people's financial situation. Yes. There is different price points. There is different options, whether it's commercial, whether it's of high value. And again, it's all down to risk. What risk are you willing to take? If you miss the notification on your phone, mm. you'll have somebody ring you from a monitoring station. Mm. Now, we provide both of them services. Uh, and it's all down to what the client wishes and what we would recommend to them. Yes. Uh, and each one is different. mm
4: so so back to that point These guys Nice people that they are Maria, uh, They can you know From cursory look A, a, a brief visit Just to have a look at things They can tell Ah this is an easy one for us
6: Very much so They will also be looking to see If you have any pets in the house Especially dogs And, and larger dogs Or they could call to pretend That they're going to try and sell you something And when you open the door They'll see the keypad And they would see maybe there's no power on the keypad on your alarm and they'll know the alarm is not working
3: mm. and they'll
6: find sell you something that you'll never want to buy yeah. um, or it could be just purely opportunistic where they're walking down the street and they well, my house has an alarm next door neighbor has an alarm but the next one doesn't or it has a bell box outside that looks 15 years old mm. and the risk of that work uh, you know, the, the, the risk of that i would go with the one that's 15 years old because it's mm. probably not working
4: so you need to update, you need to look, you need to review uh, on a regular basis. The dog you mentioned there, and I always like to have a dog around, he yaps and that as well, but unfortunately uh, these people have ways of dealing with dogs too, Mark.
6: Yes, they, they they would have several ways of dealing with dogs, whether it be with food. If your dog is very food-orientated like mine is, uh, I, the food would be a big thing. They would win with food or even more lethal uh, ways of dealing with Pets, unfortunately, I've come across that on several different occasions. Mm.
4: So, you know, uh, these uh, people uh, will stop at nothing. That's what we're hearing about. From your perspective, you know, I suppose this is fair to say, the crown jewels can't be secured. You can only do what you can do. And after that, people will still get buy systems, Mark.
6: Yeah, unfortunately, we can't say to anybody, Jerry, that we can secure your premises or your home, your business 100%. It's just not possible. If somebody wants to break in, they're going to break in. What we can do is certainly make it more difficult for the people who choose to break into a property and, and, and alert our clients immediately if something does happen at the property. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, nothing is 100% secure, but we certainly will like to make it harder for people to break into your, to your house
4: Yes, and, and speed is of the essence. I know uh, people would say, well, you're better not encountering them or whatever. But if you know and, you know, if somebody or you or somebody can go there, if you arrive, these people generally try to get away, don't they? They're not going to hang around when they're in the uh, spotlight.
6: No, absolutely not. They don't want confrontation. And in fairness, we don't want our clients. We always advise our clients on on if the alarm activates, Different ways it activates will tell you if there's somebody inside your property. Mm. And we always say to people, and I'm sure John earlier on would agree with me on this, if you get a verified activation, call the Gardaí and wait. Don't enter the property until you know there's nobody in it. Because the crown jewels, as you say, can be replaced. Yeah, But if you stand in front of somebody and threaten them or they're threatening you, It's a very different situation.
4: Yeah, good advice there, sound advice. Can I ask you this? If an alarm is cut, a monitored alarm in whatever fashion, if they just disable it, take the power off, there's an alert sent then, yes?
6: Yes, on the systems that we install, there absolutely is an alert that's sent to your phone to say that even if you had just a standard power failure, if the ESP were working in your area and cut Mm. your power, Mm. you will get an alert to your phone to say that the power has been cut to your alarm. Now, there is backup batteries on alarms, but they only work for several hours.
4: Yes. Um, Tom's on to us from Trim. Nice to hear from you, Tom. He says, "Jerry, will you ask that gentleman? I just want to make the point that pensioners are the most vulnerable, uh, and cost is uh, a big thing for older folk. Uh, It's a luxury, perhaps, to them. uh, Will it break the bank, or can you get it? He's basically asking, is there horses for courses? Can it be done that pensioners can afford it, Mark?
6: Absolutely. Each system that we do is a bespoke system to each client. Mm. Whether it's, And whatever the price point is, we can match the system to a price point. And also, for a lot of pensioners, there is a lot of grants available for a living alone allowance if for an alarm or a monitored alarm, or even where people check in on them every day, or they have panic alarms. Not necessarily an intruder alarm, but if they're at home a lot, they mm. would have an alarm on their person connected to their phone, A lot of pensioners would still have landline phones. Yes. So the alarm is connected to that, and they can press a button and talk to somebody. That's another service that we do provide.
4: Okay. Margaret's been on to say, uh, uh, coming back to the point we talked about, dogs there. Is a dog uh, a help? Does it put burglars off? What do you say to that? Just coming back to that again.
6: Absolutely. I I would say, again, it's one of the mitigating circumstances where a burglar may say, there's a dog in that house, but not in that house. So we mm. know the house that doesn't have the dog. Unfortunately, you're pushing it onto your neighbour, but you're protecting your house with just that little bit extra.
4: Right. Now, talk to me about, uh, you heard you were listening to John Heavy, Sergeant John Heavy earlier on, and he was talking about light activation indoors and outdoors. What have you to say on that?
6: In fairness, everything John said, I would echo every single bit of it, and probably for certain generations. Now, the most important bit is, Stop posting holiday pictures while you're on holidays. Mm. Uh, that probably is one of the most valuable pieces of advice we can give anybody in relation to the home security mm. because everybody knows then you're away. Your friends know you're away. Stop your posts. Stop your milk. Mm. If you have a milk, if you still use a milk delivery. Um, and make sure, again, like what John said, and not just keep repeating it, your motion lights outside is very important. Light your house up. Don't have it dark. Mm. Um, make sure your alarm bell box has a light on it that it's working and again the burglar will see that your bell box is working with a light on it little let red or blue LED light next door doesn't have that might be that it's not working
4: mm. and all very important points the post I never actually considered the post you know that if you let post build up say you're away for a couple of weeks maybe more in some instances post building is a real sign as well isn't it it, it tracks
6: people very much so yeah yeah and and also to have timers on your internal lights, which are, and don't always have all of your blinds closed, even during the day, because you wouldn't if you were at home.
4: Yes, 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 good point, point well made. What about CCTV and cameras?
6: CCTV is a great tool, and really, intr- if you marry the CCTV with the intruder alarm, it can work very well. But I always say to people that intruder alarms is preventative, where CCTV is reactive. It's after the fact. You're trying to get an image of a person that you can present to the guards for their investigation or even a timeline. Mm. Uh, But CCTV would be, certainly commercially, CCTV has become a very valuable tool. Uh, Domestically, it's becoming much more popular, and again, because you can have apps on your phone and you can view your property live on your phone from anywhere in the world as long as you have broadband.
4: From your experience and we've been talking you're well aware of what John was talking about there has been an upsurge mark no need to tell you in uh, this activity in, in the northeast uh, especially on uh, in the uh, on the north side of drogh in recent weeks as well um is it is it a, a rural one off houses or equally you know within urban settings as well what's the breakdown if you can for me from your experience well,
6: uh... I from our experience, a lot of people, because they have been working from home, have been kind of sitting on the back burner about their alarm. They're getting the patio area done and they're getting their gardens done because they're at home much more. But their alarm was put to one side. But again, in relation to, it's an opportunistic. I think for burglars that um, rural and urban. I don't think it really matters. Okay. If they if if they have an opportun- if they have an opportunity, they'll take it.
4: And Mark, again, something I mentioned to John, you have, uh, you deal with this when you go to uh, meet people and that. The trauma, the angst, the uh, the, the mental, uh, on, on, on the people's mental health, the effect that has, it, you just can't overstate that. It's shocking, isn't it?
6: Some people never get over it. That have violated, they feel that somebody has been in the house, obviously uninvited. It's not about the valuables. It's that somebody has been in their house, in their family home where their kids be. And a lot of times I've seen people move after the house has been broken into. They've been traumatized that much by it. Mm.
4: You know. It's it's a shocking thing, but look at uh, you and uh, others in the business are there. And Mark, I know you're uh, you cover you cover the country, you cover the northeast for sure. That's for certain. From create yes. security, and your number is oh four one nine eight zero two thousand. That's oh four one nine eight zero two zero zero zero. We have the number as I said here in LMFM Radio. You're so good to join us. Thank, Thank you, Mark. You, Jerry. Thanks, Thanks for amazing, joining Jerry. me on the show. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Bye bye. That's uh, Mark Woods there from create security Vogue Williams y'all know Vogue glamorous Vogue Mammy at three now lives in the UK has a lovely home in Houghton Dublin with her man well she was left so upset it's reported today and screaming after a was discovered a bat had got into her old home oh poor Vogue Oh, bat, I say. Susan Cowan is the woman who runs the Bat Rehabilitation Ireland Centre. They have places in Limerick and Dublin and she joins me on the line. Hello, Susan.
1: Hi, Jerry. How are you?
4: What the hell is wrong with this one? A little bat. What is this, this uh, all about?
1: Well, unfortunately, direction is a very common one so Vogue's reaction is quite common is it? Uh, and many people have a fear of bats but um, I don't think that it's you know it's, it's not uh, it's not called for the reaction that I'm screaming and panicking about um, they're quite tiny and harmless now I, I suppose most people would have a fear of bats that would have stemmed from years of TV portraying them as vampires and mm. as sinister creatures but Actually, the nine species we have here in Ireland are all insectivorous and quite tiny and and very um, not interested in in sucking our blood like any of the vampire species (laughs) that we would have.
4: They're South America domiciled, those type of bats. They really are. Dracula has a lot to answer for, hasn't he?
1: An awful lot, an awful lot. We deal with people all the time that are hysterical over bats. Now, none of us would like to see any type of wild animal, and you're going to get a shock if you walk into your bathroom and you find a little bat on, the, on one of the towels. But at this time of the year, if you were to find a bat, it, 90% of the time it's going to be a bat pup. Mm. And unfortunately, these little um, creatures are, you know, they're completely reliant on their mother at this time of the year. So a lot of them die due to bad advice. So I saw that Vogue's husband advised her to just put it outside. Mm. Um, And I'm glad she didn't take him up on that, because if you were to put him outside, he would be predated on. Um, Unfortunately, bats, they give birth to one pup a year. And it's a significant loss to that colony, each pup that's lost. And the mother won't, she won't um give birth again for another year. So if you find one in your house, please reach out to a rehabber before you go and move it. Um And don't just pop it outside because, it, it, you know, the chances are that little bass it won't survive.
4: Ah, so that's now important to know because I actually love them because where I live um, they they flutter. If you go out just at dusk at this time of the year and we haven't had many nice evenings but the ones we've had I love to see the little creatures. Out they come and they flutter around. They're so nice and the little uh, high-pitched sounds of them at times and they're very important. They're protected, aren't they? And they do a job in the ecosystem.
1: They're protected under Irish law as are their roots. Um, so it is a crime to interfere with them and they're a huge part of a healthy ecosystem the species that we have being insectivorous feeding only on insects they they have a huge impact on the pest population such as mosquitoes, midges every year and they save the farming community is millions on the the job that they do. So, really important. When we see losses in bats, we know that there's something going on in that ecosystem that's just not right. So, Mm. if you're seeing them outside your house, it means that you're doing a great job in your garden, your neighbours are doing a great job in their garden, and that they're isn't a lot of pesticides being used in that area, which is so important.
4: That's great to hear. And that really uh, enthuses me when I hear you say that. That's really good news. Now, come back to what you said there. If you come across them, you mentioned rehabbers. Where will you find it? You know, people say, well, who who are the rehabbers? Or, Or where do I go if I find one?
1: If you find a bat or if you have a query about a bat or a bat roost, you can contact myself or my partner, Amy Walsh in Dublin. Um, and you find us on uh, it's on, on Facebook on Bash Rehabilitation Ireland, where there our number is there, and we have Instagram as well. But we also have um, a website called Ireland's Wildlife Rehabilitators Association, and on that on on that website you'll find a list of licensed, um, specialised rehabilitators all over Ireland that are always willing to help. Mm. So any cases, but please reach out to us. Even if it's just a query to put your mind at ease um, about bats or you have a question about them, reach out to me on Facebook on that Bat Rehabilitation Ireland page. I'm if, always glad to help.
4: If you have them in your attic and there's a number of them and that's certainly, and you understand as well, people uh, mightn't be too fond of having them there. Oh. You, you should engage again expertise because they, if they're to be moved, it has to be done uh, legally and in a certain type of way.
1: Exactly. So um, National Parks and Wildlife uh, services are always there to give advice on problematic roosts. So sometimes, you know, we all love bats, but if you have hundreds of them in your attic, it might cause a problem. There are certain times of the year where um, National Parks and Wildlife can come in and assess that roost because... Bats have two types of roosts. So they have maternity roosts where they'll be in the summer giving birth to their babies. And then during the winter, they'll move from those roosts to a cooler, uh, a cooler uh, area where they can go into hibernation. And once that's happened, National Parks and Wildlife Service can come in and assess um, your home and your attic. And they'll be able to give you an option of what you can do. Mm. And you can find them online as well.
4: Don't be afraid of them. They ain't going to bite you. They're not bloodsuckers. They have a part to play. And they're very important in terms of our ecosystem. That's the message we want to get out today. Are you listening, Miss Vogue-Williams?
1: And and please let us know what happened with the bat because I think the post is gone and we don't know what actually happened with the bat. And and Vogue has about a million followers, so it's very hard to get a message to her. So oh, anyone hears what happened to the bat, let us know. Well, I'm just delighted that
4: it's easy. Our Miss Louise can always get a message to you and back to her. And that's the important thing that we had you with us today from Bat Rehabilitation Ireland. Susan Karen. thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you so much, guys. Bye. Take care
4: bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now... Don't be afraid of them. Miss Louise, bats, have you ever come across a bat in your lifetime at home or abroad? Have I ever had a tangle with them? No? Yes?
7: No, never.
8: Hmm. No. Interesting. I don't ever recall seeing a bat. I
4: have to say, I love it if I sit out in the evenings and I just, as the sun sets and they flutter around, these little creatures. They're lovely, and I remember actually being out fishing one night. You're not going to believe this: with a tiny little dry fly fishing in the dark up at Killarney Reservoir, and I hooked a bat. The bat, when I was casting the fly, the bat grabbed the little fly going through the air, and I hooked him. I had him hooked in the lip, and I brought him in on the line. But thankfully, I unhooked the little bat okay. and let him away. He was okay. Oh. Yes, that happened to me when when I was fishing. It, it can happen. And of course, Batman. Everybody remembers Batman I had a Batman outfit Do you know that? The cloak I don't want to know I had the cloak Yes You weren't mowing the lawns (laughs) That was before Uh, Before I ever got to that When I was a little chap I had me cloak Oh as a boy I'm glad you clarified that I I had the cloak (laughs) Excuse me I had the cloak And you know the the Batman The black mask And the little And me going down the road And I'm singing it I can sing it Batman
3: Who was your Robin?
4: I never had Robin. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> no so wonder if you
6: is. A, a Roberta or a
4: Roberta a Roberta yes uh, anyway uh, yeah it brings <laughs> brings back memories uh, childhood memories the Joker oh my god the Joker <laughs> when you think of them all all of those and you know the outfits and we, we wear those characters you know what I mean mm. in our childhood you became them you morphed into them we watched them on the telly we went to the movies to see them as well but uh, yeah and indeed. what was it when you were a kid was it just the, the one on the TV TV uh, and, and, and cinema. Oh, yeah. With we the, went to cinema. Bam, yeah. Yeah. That was television. And then, <laughs> then it was on the big screen. We got our shilling to go to the movies. And of course, another one I was. I was a cowboy too. Oh, CR. yes. the <laughs> <laughs> jeez I'm getting all the barbs today the milky bar kid the milky I'm bars are on me, me. I have to say yes for your <laughs> ironing yes so
2: you're a milky bar kid i are a <laughs> cowboy you were
4: batman I action man remember man my action Manny man faces. stories yeah I couldn't become action man but I had lots of action man action men and and their outfits mm. as well but cowboy I remember had the cowboy hat mm. the holsters The chaps, you know, the The things you wear on your legs. And I had the two silver guns with the caps. I can still smell the caps. I can smell the sulfur. And you probably had a brush for a horse.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes, I won't go down that road about the horse and the brush. But anyway, yes, we were cowboys as well in our day. Talk about it. Those were the days. Anyway, how did I get on to this? Start talking about bats and I'm down <laughs> another road altogether. There you go. Late Lungelm FM Radio, if you want to join in the chat today, 086 oh, 1800 65. By the way, were you anybody? Were you no. a childhood cat? No. No. <laughs> Okay, Louise no, was nothing I <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry I'll get it out of her one afternoon that's for sure Anyway coming up next on Late Lunch we're going to have a chat with Joanne Dwyer from the Red Door Project they do fantastic work with people who unfortunately have drug addictions and problems associated. And uh, Joanne wants to talk to us about something that's coming up soon that's very important to the people in the Red Door. I will give you the number, number of people onto us. Would you please repeat the number for Mark Woods? Uh, I will indeed. Uh, the security expert, Mark Woods, Create Security, 0419802000. I'll give it to you again slowly O four one nine eight zero two 0, That's for uh, Mark Woods. We're talking home security there. Top of the show. I'm delighted to welcome back to late lunch, Joanne Dwyer from the Red Door Project. Hello, Joanne. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Good to talk to you again on the show. Now, you're doing something. The reason I wanted to have a chat with you today was twofold. Firstly, you're doing something a little bit different to raise funds tomorrow. Tell us about it.
8: Jerry, we have a summer fair tomorrow. So we always, in the Red Door, we always have a, a Christmas fair and a summer fair. But this year, we've um, come together with um, Irish motor Neuron disease. And we're, uh, all all funds raised tomorrow will be divided between the Red Door and Irish motor neurone disease. And uh, we're having, we've hanging baskets and window boxes. We have, um, so we have some art that we have, uh, the participants here have made. Pebble art, we have. Uh, honey our own honey from our, our bees in the garden Um what else have we got we've wreaths, handmade wreaths with lovely flowers you know the new ones that are on the yes. doors that everybody has we've them as well on the last all year round um, and we'll have tea and coffee and a bit of music and crack and um, there'll be uh, yeah a bit of bit of uh, food and a nice day out. Hopefully the weather the weather stays um, the weather is good to us and we. Both, that's that's the plan. So anybody who's listening and wants to come down and get their hanging baskets or window boxes or for their graves or whatever are more than welcome. Anybody can walk in off the street and um, hopefully they'll um, have a a nice enjoyable Friday Friday afternoon.
4: I'm just looking at the forecast. It's not bad,
8: you know. There's be sunshine and a little bit
4: of moisture too. But on the whole, you're in for a, a decent day. It starts at ten o'clock, runs to three. What fascinated me was, you know, the ba- hanging baskets, the reeds, the window boxes. Tell me about the honey. How many hives have you there?
8: Oh, well, we have three hives at the moment. One hive this year um, kept swarming, and our uh, our queen bee had left it, so that died. But the other two or are good, but we have had better years of honey than this year. Now, we will get more honey in June, July, but uh, we didn't get that many jars this year because we were down a hive. But yeah, well, no, it's it's honey from the town, so it's different honey. So the, our bees, we have a biodiversity garden up the back here. Our bees are feeding on town plants so ivy and stuff so it's a very particular type of honey and i um, have been told it's very very good quality and very good for anybody who has allergies or any, anybody that lives within the town it'll be very good for them so we have a yeah lovely I don't lovely. know what it yeah, no, mil jars
4: yeah great and good on you I had two hives in my back garden in town for a while as well and I can vouch for that the honey was special because you see the bees are mainly gathering from town gardens and different species of flowers and trees, and it is extra special. And as they say, Joanne, when you uh, get honey from your local area, it's the best of all for everything across the board. Anyway, yeah. it's happening tomorrow, ten o'clock until three at the red door on the Dublin Road in Dromore. You can't miss it—the big red
3: door. You, you
8: just can't, yeah, there, yeah. And if you for parking if you want to park up the top of, at, the, at the you know up at Barlow's, or else down by St, on St Mary Street as park. In there and anybody will help you in and out with your car with stuff so we've only got the amount of helpers here so yeah so don't be afraid to come and have come in and, and see what we're doing
4: yeah and you're supporting two uh, very worthy causes in a general sense your work of course you're a busy place the workload uh, increases all of the time on the ground uh, cocaine w- is it the biggest problem
8: yeah, it is, and we're saying that for the last few years in, in Dara, and I don't think it's any different than any town or any village in Ireland. Cocaine, uh, you know, is 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 so very normalised, and is uh, I suppose it's 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 like I saw I read an article yesterday where it's like having a pack of cigarettes on a night out, and unfortunately that's how it's become, um, and it's. It's uh we're seeing here it's not just I suppose when we saw people in the heroin epidemic or you know in times before you would see the most you know disadvantaged areas people come from that, but cocaine is across the board in every you know every so area of society and and from in the most affluent to the most impoverished so um yeah, we are seeing a huge increase and definitely we're seeing more um I suppose. Middle aged people coming in where before it wouldn't have been, you know what I mean, that that demographic and women, more women coming actually with cocaine issues. So, yeah, we are seeing a huge increase.
4: It's uh, something that you talked at length to us. I remember when you came in here in studio about your life and times and and, and talked about this issue before and since with us. Is there a solution or is it something we're going to have to live with and deal with on an ongoing basis?
8: Is there a solution? Well, there's a solution, I <laughs> If you look at why people use drugs or why people, you know, go to a substance, and they're not happy, they're not happy with themselves. They're either the reason people take drugs is to feel, to start feeling something, or to stop feeling something. The majority of people who end up in addiction now, not everybody who takes drugs ends up in addiction, right? But people who present here who have a serious issue with with, with drugs, a lot of people go out and recreationally can take cocaine or can take other drugs, take it on a Friday, Saturday night, and go back to work on Monday. You know what I mean? And it doesn't really have, it doesn't impact them. The people we See here, you know, drugs have become a huge has impact has had a huge impact on them, their family, society. You know, we see people who are, you know, huge debts, maybe getting in trouble with drug dealers, or they have spent an awful lot of money, or they've got, you know, they're getting in trouble with the, with legally for stuff. So that's when people present to us. So you know, is there is there a solution to? people, you know, being in trauma, because generally that's why people present with addiction. They they have emotional stuff that's going on for them and they don't, they want to escape from it. So drugs addiction is generally a coping mechanism for that. So have we a solution for traumatised people, for people that are, you know, being abused or maybe have been, you know, if you look at the Ukrainian population that have come here, that whole population of people are traumatised because they've had adverse experiences. So we, I suppose, as a, as a nation and as a country, and as a, we need to be more informed around trauma and aware that, you know, p- people have had adverse experiences they're going to look for something to take away that pain, mm. to take away that hurt. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is, I suppose, is funding and, you know, like services like ours, if we don't have the the staff, we don't have the funding, we don't have, we're not able to offer the services that, you know, that, that we need to for the, the amount of people that need it, that's an issue as well. So, um, I suppose you know they are solutions to the problem, but um, there's any god's amount of you know it's about education, it's about awareness, it's about young people realising you know coming from early education and you know early intervention. So we're not when people arrive at us, they're they're at the end of their, their you know the end of their yes. the game. But long before intervention should sort have of happened, five ten years before that, when, when when problems start to present and we see, and that's something we're very slow at in Ireland. And, and I suppose well, a lot of countries are, but we're definitely a bit behind the, the other countries like the UK or the US mm. in that term. We get in early and prevent this happen, that prevent people coming to the red door, yeah. that, you know, five, ten years before they arrive here that someone has, you know, someone has intervened or someone has got them help or support or, you know, because if you look at, you know, we're, we're a nation now of people on social media and we want quick fixes and everything is instant and we want instant gratification and, you know, uh, we're not willing to... To uh, as a society, we're not willing to, you know, really put in put in the the effort and work on on ourselves and emotionally, and you know what I mean. So everything mm. is is very quick, and you know, and yes. it's, it's it's we're we're you know uh, building, building a, a generation of generation, young people coming up that expect you know this kind of not want for the working and the instant gratification and and. Um, not doing the work on themselves and we're, we're teaching young people, I'm ranting here now Nigeria, I am but we're teaching young people in school about algebra and maths and really we should be telling them how to manage their emotions and how to deal with anger and what to do if they're feeling anxiety or they're depressed we don't do that and that's what we're, that's what we're doing when we get here, people are taking drugs because they don't, don't like how they feel, they're anxious or depressed, they've had trauma so we'd be far better at Change it. There's loads of things you could do. I'm ranting now,
4: Jerry. I'll show up. Yeah. No, no. No, no. Uh, listen, I could listen to your rants all day long. I really could, Joanne, honestly, because you make so many valid and salient points. We'll have to get you back here for a more lengthy chat about this sooner rather than later. I promise you that, and we'll give you more time than we've had today. But you said something to me there that will always stay with me. You know, the way people feel they want to either feel something or you know, forget about something. And yes. you know, that's uh, certainly one of the roots of all this and dealing with that. Look, I wish you well uh, with tomorrow. Go along folks, give them a shout, support Brilliant. them. You'll love it there tomorrow and you'll always be welcomed in with a copper and more besides the red door on the Dublin Road in Drogheda from ten until three. Joanne, thanks. Talk to you soon.
8: Jerry, thanks for million. Take bye. care yourself.
4: Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That woman is unbelievable. And she's been through the mill herself. I'll never forget the day I interviewed her about her life and times. I'll always stick with me. She's simply brilliant. But if you can't support them at the Red Door, they'd be delighted to see you tomorrow. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. Thank you for your comments last year in holidays in Kerry, Jerry. There was a bat in my granddaughter Leah's bedroom and her dad had to get it and put it outside. Yes, we were talking bats a little earlier on with Susan Kerwin. Well, I'm bats about my next guest and always have been. She's one of my favourites. I don't know whether that word is in the dictionary, authors. I couldn't make her book launch recently at a very busy May. She invited me specially, but I'm delighted to say she's almost at number one in the bestsellers and she's with me today. Carmel Harrington, hello.
2: Listen, it wouldn't be a book, um, a new book coming out if I didn't come and say hello to you, Jerry, and everyone on LMSM. So thanks for having me again.
4: Not at all. You're almost there. Just a little more of a push, folks. A mother's heart. It's out. It's going great, Guns. You're nearly top of the
3: pops.
2: Oh, I'm so close. I am number two. And so, yeah, no, I have to say, um, if anyone was thinking about buying, this would be a good day today, tomorrow. It's going to be a good day. I'd love to get up that last little... Little milch my way
4: to number one if I could. What's you great? will. You're going to our friends in Late Lunch Land and beyond. will do it for us. And remember too, folks, Book Club recently with Margaret Madden. One of our top picks for the month was our Carmel's new book. God, it's been some year for you. The paperback of The Moon over uh, Kilmore yeah. last night, uh, was out February, and now this? Yeah, it is. and I mean, it's,
2: it's gas, isn't it? Because it's almost as if You've got two books in one year, but it's just different formats of the same book. So Kilmore Key, of course, was last year's, but then it only came out in the UK and then in the small paperback here in February. So it gives you a little bite of um, the same kind of publishing apple, if you like. So that's quite nice. But it has been
9: busy. It's been a busy year. There's no doubt about it.
4: I love the line and I can just see them all doing it. Curl up with Carmel. Oh, I feel it today. I feel it.
2: That's what I hope. And I, that's all I want, really. When I write books, I'm really, the readers genuinely are, are forefront in my mind. And I never write for trends or for, you know, whatever is kind of popular at the minute. I just write what I feel my readers want. And I really want them to curl up, Jerry, And I want them to have some escapism from this crazy world that we're all in at the moment. And um, my hope is that these books, you know, they can be a little bit, transport it for them. They can go to a different part of the world or walk in the shoes of my characters and maybe forget about their own Troubles and woes for a little bit.
4: That's what I hope anyhow. Oh, that's what it's all about. You've just hit the nail on the head there. Love the interview you did recently with Writing dot ie, and I just want to pluck something from it. You say that <laughs> you've always been a daydreamer, and has that in a way been in one of the secret uh, one of the uh, secrets of your success in writing? Yeah, it's it's,
2: a, it's it's really true. I mean, I have throughout my childhood, I spent all of my time people would say I was quiet but it wasn't that I was quiet, Jerry. it was just I was lost in my own thoughts Mm. and I was kind of always making up stories in my head and um, I was really happy in my imagination. It was kind of a very comfortable place for me to be. And so I've always been like that. And throughout school, teachers would always say in school reports, Carmel is very quiet, Carmel is very quiet. And that was why, because I was a daydreamer. And I see it now with my son in particular. I, he's so like me, Jerry, And he definitely is another Dolly daydreamer. He's always in his imagination. But I understand it. I know, I know exactly what's going on and... Um, I'm just so grateful that I get to kind of make a living out of it now. <laughs> it's really great that I've managed to turn it into a full-time job because now, of course, I get to legitimately say I need to sit down and I need to just close my eyes and imagine a, a scene and I get to do that and that's my job. And it's quite wonderful, really, actually. But I've always been a daydreamer, no doubt about it. Mm,
4: you've, you've married, you know... Distant places in the world, you know, Hawke's Bay on the other side of the world, Dublin for this book, you know, A Mother's Heart. And Margaret was even saying to me, the brilliance of the plot, the way you brought it together, you know, and, and, and not giving too much away, a lady who becomes a stepmother to children her husband dies she's left with the children and then a family situation arises where did this come from where where did this where did you get this from
2: well, you you know jerry because you know with all of my books i usually start with a family um, situation because mm. I really do like to, you know, I, I like family dramas. I yes. think in every book if you were to take a connection between all of them there's a family at the heart of them and I kind of like to look at the complex dynamics of families in modern life and I've always had in the back of my mind that I would do a blended family at some point um, because cause that is part of modern life now. I mean, I think any one of us mm. in our immediate circle whether it's family or friends, we know where they step parents or where there's second marriages or stepsisters, half brothers and sisters, et cetera. And it's just part and parcel of it. And for me personally, I'm a stepmother and it's nothing like anything that's in the book. Just quickly yes. say, I've had like the most, really have a very rewarding relationship with, with my stepdaughter. She's been in my life since she was three. She's now 20 in Trinity and an absolutely um, stellar young woman. But when, when we first came into each other's life, we did all the Disney stuff. And I'd read Disney stories to her and we'd watch Disney movies. And of course, in every story, the connection in every, in every single story is that the stepmother was wicked. It was always the wicked stepmother. And we would kind of giggle about it, but it made us feel a bit uncomfortable. Like it was always the scapegoat was the stepmother. And I thought... That's terrible for children because they grow up straight away believing that anybody from outside the family couldn't possibly love them like a blood relative can. Mm. So that makes it very tricky then if marriages don't work out or, you know, somebody has died, like in this case, and step-parents are brought in. And it can be tricky. I suppose I decided it was time to readdress that balance a bit and maybe show that step-parenting can be a positive part of a child's life. Um, so that that's where I started from. And I thought, well, how is this going to go? And in the end, I decided to go, you know, all out and make the stepmother the sole parent. Mm. And I thought that was the best way to kind of really, really expose um, what that role was like. And then I looked at kind of the, the rest of the family. And of course, with blended families, you've got multiple sets of everything. You don't just have, you know, paternal and maternal Grandparents, you have the step grandparents, and then you've got all of the aunts and uncles again on both sides. So I thought it can get the hierarchy within those situations can get quite complicated. Um and I thought that would be fun to kind of tease out. So so the kind of story evolved from that, and then it came to me and I thought, right, uh, what if Rachel, who is now the sole parent of these two kids, and there's never any doubt in the story that she loves the children, they mm. love her. That's not the question. But the question comes then when the grandparents, the, the the blood grandparents, start to question her position as a as step-parent because now she's the sole parent and they begin to think maybe the children should be with them, their blood relatives. Yes. And this is where it gets really messy because it's quite a big question, Jerry, isn't mm, it? Like, you know, huge. Who has, who has the right to family? And, and it was really interesting to kind of tease that apart and to really expose I think, the underbelly of what Maybe quite a few people think, Mm. and still we still haven't maybe quite come to terms with the fact that family can be those that you pick up along the way rather than those you're you're born into, you know, or it can be both.
4: Mm. Oh, it's
2: where the story started.
4: It's brilliant. You you've weaved it brilliantly. You just got to get this book a mother's heart. It's guaranteed. Uh, to really make you sit up and think, and enjoy, and everything else involved in it. Honestly, uh, I just think like when, when and I, I mentioned this, it's your tenth novel, it's your tenth year. When you look back now, when you debuted with the first one to where you are today, what do you think? I, it's
2: actually quite surreal because you know I've done I've done fifty spins around the sun now as well. You <laughs> know, <so laughs> I've had a kind of a milestone birthday. So, between that and then the milestone of the book first day, it does make you reflect Jerry. It makes you kind of sit back and just think about what I've achieved and um i'm I'm quite proud and i and I said this year actually in January this year um I said it to my agent and my editor, and I just I want this year to be one celebration. I really want to just you know get back to really enjoying everything there is about being a writer. And this this life that I live and it's, it's really been, it's been a lovely few months in that sense because um, the last couple of years were were tricky as we all know. But mm-hmm. I really wanted this year, no matter, I just wanted to celebrate the fact that I'm still here 10 years later. I've managed to do a book a year, which is what I set out to do. And, um, you know, and in the main, like each book has sold better than the last one. And I think that's all any author kind of hopes for really that, you know, you get new readers with each book and that seems to have happened so i'm 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 really I'm quite proud I really am jerry I'm delighted with with how things are going, and I still love what i do
3: mm.
2: it's just i've never woken up, and you know that i don't know I'm sure you don't actually because you love what you do too I know you do and and you do it so well, but you know, my last job. I liked my job, but I didn't love it, and nice. I would wake up often in the morning and go." Oh. God, do I have to go in? But I've never thought that. No matter how busy, no matter what deadline I'm facing, writing, I've never had that oh, moment. You know, I kind of, mm. I know that every day I'm going to. Once I sit at my desk, I'm happy, and I'm, I'm, you know, I love creating all of these lovely characters for readers to enjoy and get to know. And I'm, I'm celebrating that this year. This is, you know, this is actually a year to kind of just say, yep. This
4: is good. good. And you know, it comes through. It comes through like in your work and your writing and your characters and storylines as well. So, folks, remember this now. Remember this, please. It's been a huge year for Carmel. The paperback came out of the last one. A Mother's Heart is published in May. It's number two in the bestsellers chart. She's had a big birthday this year. She only wants one more thing. She wants that number one spot and we can all help her today. A Mother's Heart is the name of the book. Let's push her to number one it's great to chat to you we'll talk again i'm sure in the near future congratulations and well done again
2: Thank you for everything, Jerry, and thanks to all your readers. Thank you, your, your listeners and readers. Thank you.
4: Not at all. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself. Bye, Carmel. That's the wonderful Carmel Harrington there. Her new book, A Mother's Heart, recommended highly as well by our Margaret Madden. She loved the book, loves it, loves it, loves it. And a great summer read to be had there for sure. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. If you're listening to our news earlier on, you will have heard the sad news that Ray Coyle has passed away. I interviewed him on a number of occasions and quite recently back in April. And after the break, Alan Battersby is joining me to chat about the great man. I have to say I couldn't believe it when I heard the news early today of the untimely passing of Ray Coyle. You see, I spoke to Ray on this show in late April about the new roller coaster, Tater Park, and its forthcoming name change. And he was in really good fettle when we spoke. But I'm sure it's a very dark day. It certainly is for his family and friends and for Ashburn Curraha and the surrounding areas and I'm joined by a family friend who is president of the Ashbourne Chamber of Commerce, Alan Battersby. Hello Alan. Hello, how are you? I'm good Alan. Uh, As I said there, dark day for the communities in Ashbourne, Curraha and around the area there.
7: It's a very dark day and I think the weather has kind of in keeping with it because it's it's quite uh, dull and overcast and showery here in Ashbourne and uh, it's kind of reflects the mood of the area.
4: He was some man for one man, a great character, brilliant businessman, was always on the go, full of energy, driving things forward. It's, it's really hard to believe that he won't be round anymore, Anne.
7: It's very hard to believe. So I just want to um, rewind a little bit and give my sympathies uh, on behalf of the Chamber of Commerce and all the Ashburn people to his wife, Roz, and his son, Charles, and his daughter, Natalia, and his brother John and the sister um, Charlotte. So uh, I just want to say that first. Mm. But yeah, going back to what you said, he was just—he was instrumental in the whole town. Like it's maybe it's his reason that Ashbourne has blossomed and grown so much because it's a great place to work because there's so much employment because of Tato. Between Tato and the park, I think there's 12 to 1400 people employed. So it's—he's—he's it's, he's going to be a huge, huge loss.
4: He um was looking ahead, uh, even recently, as I mentioned with myself here, with enthusiasm to all the new developments uh, that are coming up at the park, the new name and everything. It was no hint of this at all.
7: No, there was no hint. He was in for a uh, procedure there in in hospital, but uh, it was a, a shock that he, of his passing. You know, like uh, we're not fully sure of what. Yes, and I wouldn't like to comment on it, but yeah, it, it's a huge, huge shock but he was such a brilliant supporter of all the local clubs and businesses. Like, if you needed sponsorship, Mike Ray was always there. He was su- such a kind, generous person, you know, and, and a great employer. Like, you
6: know,
7: I, I've, I've never... I've talked to loads of people today, but there's nobody can say a bad word. He's all all good, and it's, it's just, as I say, it's going to be a huge loss.
4: Your brother Anthony was close to him too.
7: He's very close to him, yeah. like and, and I'll go back to maybe my father's time, um, he helped. He helped uh, Ray get along. They were kind of starting out in business together. My father's a little bit older, so uh, Ray started off as a farmer, and he used to borrow my father's machinery and vice versa, and and advice. And that you know, my, as I say, my father was a few years older than him, and uh, he uh, he had a little bit more knowledge. So again, they worked together, and then. He, he repaid that in abundance later with, um, I think my brother is one of the biggest growers. Unfortunately, my father's passed away, but my brother is one of the biggest potato growers for the factory now, you know, so it's, mm. he, he has, he's repaid his friendship, yeah. And my brother now would often go for a pint, well, unfortunately he used to go for a pint in the local swans there, like he, he, Ray never lost track of where he was from, you know, he just, yes. he loves being part of the community and. And he was a great employee, like there's a lot of people from Korai in top positions within the park and within the factory. So, you know, what more can you say about the man that he was so loyal to his local people?
3: Yeah,
4: his legacy uh, will live on and on for sure. Um, this This vision, like where he came from and what he created, spoke volumes about him. He really blossomed and bloomed and did something really special over the years.
7: He did, yeah. Like it's it's hard to believe that we could have had a, a Chris factory in such a small little local yeah. town, and hard to believe we, we've a, a park to rival, you know, Orlando or maybe not just Orlando, but like it's yeah, it's, it's, it's the best one of the best team parks in Europe now. So mm. he had such great vision, and I think he was even planning on trying to make the place uh, electricity-wise, like he was trying to make it zero carbon and he was going maybe looking into the idea of wind turbines and also looking into the idea of solar energy and like like he just did no end to stop he was just so enthusiastic mm. and such a great forward thinker as well you know
4: It's great of you to join us, Alan, and say those lovely words in tribute to the great man, Ray Coyle, who's passed away. Thank you indeed. And we think of his wife, Roz, again. I want to echo your sentiments and his children, Charles and Natalia, and all the family and extend our sympathies from everybody here in LMFM Radio as well today. It really is a shocking day for all concerned, but uh, great memories of, of the man himself. Thank you for taking our call, Alan. Um, thank you thanks for having me not at all take care of yourself that's Alan Battersby there Chamber of Commerce President uh, reflecting on the untimely passing of Ray Coyle God I remember sitting in the studio with me and talking about his life and times what a great man he was may he rest in peace and again we think of his family this afternoon coming up after news weather and sport at three o'clock on late lunch i bring you another fantastic song from my soundtrack mary poppins and we're going to have a chat with linda keating from the marie keating foundation would you like to do the camino stay with us to find out more on your late lunch now my soundtrack this week It's from the wonderful movie Mary Poppins, a memory from many, many childhoods. And I'll tell you this about it. Even though the movie was finally made in the early 1960s, Walt Disney himself had been trying to purchase the film rights to Mary Poppins from its writer, P.L. Travers, since the late 1930s. And he never gave up. Do you know why? At the behest of his daughters, who loved the Mary Poppins books. He finally wowed her over in 1961, but she did retain advisory rights on the movie. However... Disney himself had the final say and had to use his executive powers to overrule Travers, who wanted the main character, Mary Poppins, cast more sternly. Oh no, please. Uh, Filming took place uh, in the States between May and September 1963. And again, Travers wasn't happy with the music from the time. She wanted it harking back to the dull Edwardian times and tomes But Disney said no And when the filming was finished In September 63 It took almost another year To shoot the animation sequences Which were not completed Until just before the movie's release In August 1964 Today my song To bring back memories to you about there Features the wonderful Dick Van Dyke And the inimitable Julie Andrews
1: Jim, Jim, it, sim, chimney, chim chimani, chim chimani, chim chim cheree. A bits as lucky as lucky can be. Solely, Jim, chimney, chime, chim chimani, chim chimani, chim
0: chim cheree. Good luck will rub off when I shake hands with you. Chim chimani, chim chimani, chim chim cheree. A bits as lucky as lucky can be. Chim chimani, chim chimani, chim chim Good luck will rub off when I shake hands with you.
4: Ah, oh, brilliant, yes Chim Chimney from my featured soundtrack From the movie Mary Poppins This afternoon on your late lunch And we'll round off the week of Mary Tomorrow, round about this time Again in words and song Up next on the show After a final break of the day I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Linda Keating No need to remind you The last few years has been a tough time For charities and one fantastic charity Is the Marie Keating Foundation And there heading back to portugal to walk that leg of the camino between the 4th and the 11th of september this year and to tell me more about it and perhaps pick up a volunteer or two across the northeast i'm delighted to welcome linda keating to the show hello linda hi
9: jerry thank you so much for having me on
4: not at all well this is exciting the camino and this beautiful portuguese coastal route tell me this to become involved do i need a level of Fitness and activity in my life before I take on something like this, Linda.
1: Well, you'd need to be—you'd need to be
9: fit enough. You need to be able to walk a bit, like yeah. we do between. We try and you know work off the kilometres as much as possible. So we try and keep it around twenty kilometres a day, and um, but we try and push on a kilometre or two, so that on the last day we've only got about. 12 or 14, so that's,
3: that's a little bit
9: nicer. But, you know, we have our guide with us, the lovely Carlos, who we had the last time in 2019 when we were there, an amazing guide. And he is always at the front, and I'm always at the back. So I will always walk as fast as the slowest person. So, And it's not a race. It is enjoyable. No. We start off in the morning, and we can sometimes leave a little bit early because the sun can be a bit warm mm. in the day, so we try and be able to like take a longer lunch break and stuff like that to stay out of the sun when we need to. Um, but the last couple of years that we've been... I know we haven't been with COVID, but the last couple of years we've been, that week seems to be particularly good now. I'm probably
7: going to put a jinx on
9: it, but anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, we've had fairly good weather. and yes. um, it's It's really lovely. We do the walk with mindfulness, and as you said yourself, it's going from, uh, it's a Portuguese coastal route. And the reason we've picked this route is because the French way is the most popular, mm. and then there's the Portuguese way. Now on the Portuguese coastal route we do feed into some of the Portuguese uh, way, but it, they're just really busy. Whereas the Portuguese coastal route is the least busy yes. and it's just fabulous. And with the mindfulness and some and and you know and going, on, it just is so gorgeous. And it's about people taking a bit of time out for themselves. And after being through COVID. Like everybody just needs, everybody's anxious and we all just need to take a little step back and take a little bit of time for ourselves because it has been a crazy two years. And, uh, you know, and as I say, it's not a race. So we start off in the morning, we walk for a bit and then some people have changed a room in their house into like cafes. So there's chairs and tables outside. So you can stop off, have a coffee along the way or and then we'll stop off for lunch. And then we'll head in and um, head to our hotel. And the good thing about it is we only carry what we want to bring with us for that day. Our bags are transferred from hotel to hotel Lovely. Uh, for us on a daily basis. So, yeah, no, it's it's just, it's amazing. It's an amazing time for yourself. For yes. For yourself,
4: you know. And, you know, there's plenty of time between now and September to prepare, and you have a whole sure. programme in there if you're starting from a, a low base, once you exercise that, but you can build up quite quickly. Now, I'm just putting myself in the shoes of somebody listening today who might be out there and think, well, I'd love to go on it, but I'd be on my own. I'd be volunteer. I'm not going with anybody. That's no issue. People just Just muck in and you're friends for life.
9: Oh, no, I'll tell you something now. Even my sister-in-law, who I see all the time, and she has always wanted to do one, and I said to her one year, I said, come on, come along. You won't see me only in the evening, right? Mm. And she... um, You you end up talking to somebody different every day. The majority of people, and the people that are signed up already, there's only one group of people that are two people. Everybody else is single. And you are not. You are definitely not on your own. And... Like, to go on the trip, it's €2,250. And for that price, obviously a donation to the foundation. But that also includes your flights, your accommodation, your transfers to and from the airport, um, and your bags being been transferred, your breakfast and your dinner. So that's everything. That's mm. flights, your luggage. You know, it's it's everything yes. in the 2250. Yeah. So, um, and we will help you fundraise, and we have fundraising packs that we can send out to help you get on your way. And, um, yeah, no, and, and it is like, as I say, like I walk as, as fast as the slowest person. So, I mean, and with the mindfulness, it's just fabulous. It's fabulous. And, you know, it, it really is supporting the foundation. Like the last two years in COVID, mm. you know, I, I, I prayed for acceptance because I really thought, Jerry, I thought the foundation is gone. There's no way we'll sustain this because yes. we depend so heavily on fundraising events. And here we are two years later and it's just amazing to be getting back, to be doing the Camino again. I can't wait.
3: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it's
4: great, isn't it? It's going to be extra special this time round. And, you know, you're right. So many thought you wouldn't see it through, but you have. Here you are, the other side. And you do fantastic work, I have to say to you.
9: Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know, we lost our mother at 51. Mm. To uh, the most curable form of cancer and we found that, a year, found that out a year after she died, like she was only 51 mm. and if she had have gone to the doctor and done something about it early, she would possibly be alive today and only in her 70s and you know, that's just so sad to have lost her but yes. we just wanted that's why we wanted to put mobile units on the road to go out into communities and areas and speak to people with our registered nurses and just make them realise there's no such thing as a stupid question and cancer have caught in time you can save your own life you know it really you really can so that's really what we're all about and the different programs that we run they're all just coming out of the loss of losing our mother and and we're always coming from a patient's point of view and what the needs are to be able to support people at every step of a cancer journey it's information awareness Mm. and support services that we provide to people coming out the other side of cancer as well as our financial our comfort fund which is a finance financial one-off grant that we give To people um, when they fill out the forms through the social workers and healthcare professionals in the hospitals, that they get a one-off grant. And they can be for simple things, Jerry, Like if someone's in the summer, mind you, we don't have that great summer, we still have a bit of heat. But like people are cold all the time when you're going through chemotherapy. So you need the heat on and it has 24-7. You know, to get a babysitter to be able to go and have your treatment. You know, people are losing their jobs. Um you know, because they can't work because of because of their 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 treatment and because of how they're feeling. And you know, this support that we can give them is just it's so so simple and so basic. And without the support of people out there fundraising for us, we, we can't continue to do that. Mm. So we're very grateful to everybody who has kept us going and um you know it's just fantastic that we are still here and still being able to provide those services to people. And through COVID, Jerry, the amount of people, our campaigns and our support services like our Positive Living and Survive and Thrive, which are um, two programs that we run, people coming out the other side of cancer and readjusting to life after cancer, as well as people living with um, metastatic cancer. It's supporting them and those groups grew so much through COVID, like uh, up to 200% and the need for people on a cancer journey to have those services was just massive and I can't tell you how proud I am of our nursing service and all the team at the Marie Keating Foundation, who, who made that happen through COVID, you know, and mm. it's just, it's been great, and for the likes of people like yourself, Jerry, who allow me to come on and speak about it, and encourage people to come along and support us while while having a great week away and finding themselves again after COVID, you know.
4: I love it. I, I really do love it. it. It's a fantastic concept. It's helping the charity and it's helping those who go on it as well. I just think of your mam and, and what you said there that she, eh, you know, she should have really lived and be alive today in her 70s. But when you think uh, of all of the people, Linda, and there are so many that you have help live and survive that's some legacy for your madam isn't it
9: well it's a bit of a hard one to take uh, yes. now you yeah, know, it's, I know it's hard but I yeah know. it's you know and when we started out first you said if we could help one person yeah. and help one family yeah. i mean that would have been us done here we are 24 years later and mm, i just i i'm so proud of the team that make that happen every day and our nurses that are right there on the road making that happen mm. and Making us look good, you know. <laughs>
4: yeah, look, I, I know and uh, you'd love to have her with you. And when we lose, it's it's a shocking, shocking time. But look what the legacy, I say again, of the foundation, you and your family and all of the people and all those through the years who've rode in behind it. And here's your chance, folks, to go on the Camino. So will you tell them, if the if somebody listening today wants to find out more, where?
9: Well, they can go on to mariekeating.ie uh, forward slash events. Or they can just email me directly, lkeating at mariekeating.ie and I'll give them all the information and support they need to get them going.
4: You won't get a better offer today on radio anywhere in Ireland. Camino, (laughs) helping the Marie Keating Foundation and yourself. Listen, I wish you well with it and I'm sure it'll be no bother filling your compliment. Thank you so much for joining me, Linda.
9: Thank you, Jerry. God bless.
4: Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Linda Keating there. And if you want to go, check it out. That's our lot on Late Lunch today. Tomorrow, Sonia Lynch is with us and she's talking about the importance of nutrition when it comes to fertility. David Sheehan does the sport. I have your TV theme competition, Comedy on Friday, Mary Poppins, and much more besides. Paul McKenna is coming next with The Drive. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. We'll see you for the final Late Lunch of the week, Friday, one thirty. Bye the late lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johanna,
2: Dundalk, and Kappen. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance, and 48-hour test drive.
0: Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?